Hello, my rebels. Today, I talk a little bit about the, the shooting war between India and China. I really think it has not had a lot of media coverage. I mean, those are two titans, the two largest countries in the world by population, both of them of nuclear arms. They're fighting high in the mountains, dozens dead. I think it's nuts. What's going to happen? Well, one of the things that has happened is that ordinary people in India have said, we got to unhook from China. And I'm going to tell you some of the steps they've taken. I think it's very interesting. It's, it's so interesting to see another country unhook from China, uh, to know that there are Democrats in the world who could be our allies. And maybe there's some lessons we can learn. There's a few things I want to show you in particular, a video and an app. I think, yeah, I think you'll find it interesting. Hey, can I invite you to become a Rebel News Plus subscriber? It's eight bucks a month, which is less than Netflix. If you buy a whole year in advance, it's only 80 bucks, so you get two months free. You get the video version of this show, and uh, you get Sheila Gunn Reed's show called The Gun Show. You get David Menzies' show called Rebel Roundup. And if I may say so, most importantly, you help us keep the lights on. Because as you know, we don't take a dime from any government. So even if, frankly, you don't even watch it, think of it as a, uh, a tip jar. So please go to Rebel News and just click on subscribe. Okay, here's the podcast. Tonight, India starts to unhook itself from China. I'll show you how they're trying to do it and what China is saying in reply. It's Dominion Day, and this is the Ezra LeVant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're the biggest carbon Ezra. consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish is because it's my bloody right to do so. A few days ago, we spoke with our friend Gordon Chang about the military skirmish between India and China. I can't think of anything that would be higher stakes. Both are mighty nations of over a billion people. Both have nuclear weapons. Imagine the two of them actually having a hot war, or at least a hot battle. It's unclear how many soldiers on each side died, but it's in the dozens. It's not the first war China and India have had. Back in 1962, thousands died in a war between the two back then. America gave some moral support to India in the 60s, but America wouldn't sell India advanced fighter jets, so the Soviet Union stepped in and helped India. This was when the Soviet Union and Communist China were breaking ranks with each other, so the USSR was moving against China and moving to bring India within its orbit. And you know, for a generation to follow, India was aligned with the Soviets. What a missed opportunity. I'm so glad India has moved back into a Western orbit particularly under Donald Trump and Narendra Modi, who have actually attended massive rallies for each other in each other's countries. But back to the war, it was limited this time, a fraction of the carnage from 60 years ago, but it opened the old wounds. One big difference now, though, is that India and China are so integrated economically and technologically, just like we are. In India, they use Chinese apps just like we do. Their kids make TikTok videos just like ours do. They buy equipment and gadgets from China, just like we do. Obviously, there has been a rivalry with China, just like has, there's been a rivalry between China and America, and China and Canada, though we refuse to acknowledge it. But a shooting war seemed to focus 
the mind of the Indian people. As we showed you when we spoke with Gordon Chang, there was an immediate repercussion. Indian companies that had been looking to make huge corporate deals with Chinese companies put that on hold. I mean, fair enough. I bet there were some big deals cooking between American and Japanese companies on December 7th, 1941, until Pearl Harbor happened. So you had a large corporate response, but recently in India there has been a grassroots response. Indian people, not just politicians and military leaders, but cultural and youth leaders and Bollywood and cool people came out for India's separation from China too. You know, I've been watching some of it. As you know, a lot of people in India speak English. It really is the second language over there. You could say it's the first language because uh, everyone speaks it in addition to their other language. I have to tell you, speaking personally, I really enjoy hearing these strong statements spoken in English with an Indian accent. It makes me feel like we have allies around the world. And in the case of India, a big, strong, growing, populous, democratic ally that has many of our traditions at having been in the British Empire for so long, just like we were. Here's 30 seconds from a typical Indian newscast. I love how busy and colorful their TV screens are. There's way too much for me to process. There's like eight things going on. I've never been to India, but in my mind, that's how I imagine the streets to be busy, cacophonous, a bit chaotic. But I think they're getting a bit tougher. The location that led to the violent clash and a face-off in Ladakh at the border is only growing. There's a massive anti-China sentiment at this point in time in the country, and it cannot be business as usual. The government has taken a lead in this direction. It has asked key sectors to reduce its dependency on Chinese products. And similarly, the civil society is also now supporting the call to boycott Chinese products. Not just that. Top traders' body also has written a letter now to the Bollywood celebrities and asked them to stop endorsing Chinese products. So that's a typical newscast these days. Let me show you an online influencer. Again, I love how he switches back and forth into English. I presume his other language is Hindi. Forgive me if I have that wrong. I think this guy and this gal are sort of cool. But the good thing is that you and I can save the Indian economy. To save the Indian economy, we have to fight a long fight in this crisis. But in this fight, we have to go to the shops. We have to raise the shops. We have to kill someone in this fight. We have to keep our country's economy. इस लड़ाई में हमें एक फौजी की तरह संकल्प लेना है कि खरीदेंगे वही जो इस देश में बना है। When you buy any product that's made in India, you can help boost the manufacturing sector, which is the backbone of any country. You can help increase the employment in India, and the money stays in our country. तो क्या आप बनना चाहते हैं फौजी? क्या आप होना चाहते हैं जनता आर्मी में शामिल? तो बस अपने सोशल मीडिया पे किसी एक इंडियन जनता आर्मी की ये चेन लोगों को इंडियन प्रोडक्ट्स यूज करने के लिए मोटिवेट करेगी जर्मनी जापान रशिया हम इन देशों के एग्जांपल्स देते हैं क्योंकि वर्ल्ड वॉर टू के बाद ये देश भी कम्प्लीटली डिस्ट्रॉय हो चुका है एंड येट दीज कंट्रीज स्टैंड स्ट्रॉन्ग बिकॉज एवरी पर्सन डिड डेयर बेट टू बिल्ड द कंट्री अगेन तो चलो बॉर्डर के इस पार के एनिमी से लड़ते हैं देश में बने प्रोडक्ट खरीद के डोंट फर्गेट Make a video post about any one Indian product that you use and tag three friends to encourage them to do the same. Join the movement. Use the hashtags MaiBhiFauji and JantaArmi. Log on to MaiBhiFauji.com to know more about the movement. In this fight, I will become Swadeshi because in this country, MaiBhiFauji. They've got a bunch of videos, including one that gives tips on how to slowly delete one Chinese app or replace one Chinese product in your life. Like a, like a cell phone or something like that, just once a month, slowly but surely. 
not trying to go cold turkey to get off Chinese products. It's probably impossible. But to slowly and thoughtfully make choices, like instead of a Chinese-made cell phone, another one, maybe one made in Korea, or I don't know, this one made in India. We could do that same thing too, just slowly, methodically choose not to buy Chinese stuff. I guess I like the fact that ordinary young Indians are saying this, and I love hearing it in the sing-song switch between English and Hindi. So the Indian economic pride has been percolating for a while organically, like videos I just showed you, but then the government of China just announced, well, they're going to make the decision for everyone, and they banned 59 Chinese apps. India bans nearly 60 Chinese apps, including TikTok and WeChat. The move is part of the tit-for-tat retaliation after the Indian and Chinese militaries clashed earlier this month. Sure, it's true it is tit-for-tat, but it also has value in other ways. TikTok and other Chinese apps, you know, they spy on you, right? That's why I deleted it from my phone. I saw this the other day online. You know the Apple iPhone um, operating system called iOS, the new one, uh, tells you whenever an app is reading whatever's on your clipboard. Do you know what a clipboard is? When you copy and paste something, like an email, it's stored temporarily. Uh, it's called a clipboard. It's actually, obviously, just digital. But um, TikTok reads that. Look at the top there. It's going nuts. TikTok spies on your clipboard every few seconds. And that was just revealed because the new iOS system shows you that. So, <laughs> holy cow. So, yeah, I mean, imagine if you copied a password, right? If you copied and pasted a password, well, now TikTok's read it. How do you feel about that? So yeah, as the New York Times says, it is tit for tat, but it's also about security, isn't it? I know a lot of teenage girls in India are going to be sad that they can't do karaoke videos on TikTok now. Yeah, I know that's going to happen, but I'm guessing a Made in India app or a Made in America app that does a pretty good job of replicating the fun parts of the TikTok experience will come along pretty soon and it won't spy on your clipboard. You know, entrepreneurs came up with a way of rooting out all the Made in China stuff from your phone in India. They actually created an app that is called Remove China Apps. It'll just do it for you. But would you look at this? Google, the pro-China multinational company that refuses to work for the U.S. Pentagon, but that accepts work in China, they have banned that Remove China app from their app store. In the battle between the democracies and China, Google has chosen sides, haven't they? They chose the dictatorship because they think that's where the cash is. So that's the Indian side. How about the Chinese side? How are they handling this whole shooting war? It's always a possibility that China chose this moment to fight with India to distract from its own economic and health hardships to, to get its people looking at something else. It's sort of dictatorship 101, isn't it? Have an external enemy or maybe China just genuinely thinks this is a good time to cause trouble in the region because the whole world is focused on other things, especially America is focused on other things. But I read a report that the domestic Chinese propaganda media, as in what is shown to Chinese citizens, has actually been almost silent about this fight with India. They haven't used it as a glorious moment. They haven't been showing footage of it, whipping up their citizens against India. They've just almost totally ignored it just barely mention it, within China. Now that suggests that they don't think it's going well, I would guess, or they don't think it would go over well. I'm just guessing here. But I also follow what China is saying to the outside world in English, outside the Great Firewall of China. I follow Global Times. That's an English language foreign policy propaganda outlet. 
uh, for China. I, I follow them because I want to see what they're saying. Every hour, they keep telling India how it's making a terrible mistake by unhooking from China. I mean, look at this. This is just from today. Just today. India's app ban, which selectively and discriminatorily targets dozens of Chinese apps on ambiguous and far-fetched grounds, is an abuse of national security exceptions and a suspected violation of relevant WTO rules. China Embassy in India. Here's another one. India's app ban has made its political crackdown on Chinese companies open and blatant. India shouldn't underestimate the consequences of economic war. Indian nationalism may see more losses than Doklam crisis. And then again, Chinese investors are mulling whether to cut ties with India amid the onslaught of COVID-19, a rise of Indian nationalism and geopolitical threats against Chinese businesses following border climate. I'm going to read one more. India's app ban will hurt Indian IT workers and escalate tensions. Recent China-India border tensions must not be turned into an opportunity for warmongers in India. That's all just from a few hours today. I think maybe they're panicking in Beijing. And, and this is from the editor of Global Times. He's the chief Chinese foreign policy propagandist in, in, in the country, I guess, who I should tell you, this is sort of weird, he personally follows me on Twitter. I don't know if you can see that there, but 391,000 people in the world follow him on Twitter. He only follows 669 people back in the whole world, including moi. In some ways, I'm a bit nervous about that. But in other ways, I want him to, to read what I have to say. I want him to hear the voice of dissent and democracy and liberty, the other side of the story. So uh, I, I haven't blocked him. Here's what he tweeted about India. Well, even if Chinese people want to boycott Indian products, they can't really find many Indian goods. Indian friends, you need to have some things that are more important than nationalism. What? This is your diplomacy? You guys really can't really make anything good. You can't really do anything yourselves, India. Yeah, yeah, I'm not sure if that's going to persuade Indian people to come back as customers to China, buddy. Um, I like it, though. It's probably pushing India away. Sixty years ago, India was pushed into the arms of the Soviet Union. Today, I hope India is pushed to become more independent from China and more of a friend to the free countries of the world, including one day, I hope, us here in Canada, when we, too, learn to show some self-respect and unhook ourselves from China, too. Stay with us for more. Well, don't we live in a bizarre age? And I think things would be worse in Canada. It would be more like the United States. We would see more street violence, more cancel culture, except for one thing. In Canada, well, the institutions have pretty much already fallen. In the United States, they're trying to topple Donald Trump. Here in Canada, no need to topple. Trudeau is fully ensconced. They'll take down some statues and smash some police departments. I see today they've decided to rename a Navy ship, a Coast Guard ship, because the name is too politically incorrect. So I think that one of the reasons things aren't worse here is because they're already pretty bad. And one of the worst things in Canada, politically speaking, is the sameness, the timidness, the submissiveness, the obedience of the media party, at least in the United States. You still have Fox News. 
and talk radio and healthy websites from the blaze to CRTV here in Canada, it's pretty lonely. And so in the days and weeks ahead, one of the things I want to do is I want to talk to my friends and in some cases acquaintances and in some cases strangers in what I hope is a nascent conservative media ecosystem, little green shoots of independent-minded journalists who are going to give the big boys a run for their money because I think that is the key to reversing this trend. I think we have to see the other side of the story before we can fix the story. And I think one of the most important independent media outlets in Canada, well, you won't be surprised who I'm interviewing today, her name is Candace Malcolm, and she's the founder of True North. Candace, it's great to see you again. Don't mind me. I'm not putting too much on your shoulders, just the fate of the whole country. <laughs> I'm joking around a little bit, but I, I really think that we're in crazy times. And one of the things that keeps me sane is having alternative sources of information besides the CBC and the bailout media. And I love what you guys are doing, you and Andrew Lawton and Anthony Fury and the other folks on your team. So it's just nice to talk to a friend and a colleague, I'll call you. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing these days. It sure, Ezra. Well, I'll start by just saying I'm a little bit more optimistic than you are about Canada. I think that we have strong traditions, and I think that Can the Canadian people have a perseverance and a love of our of our ordered liberty, our, our traditions, and and freedom in Canada. And we're not just going to let that fall by the wayside. So I think that there are a lot of citizens out there that are like-minded people, patriotic people that sort of see what's going on, watch watching the news and kind of just shaking their head at it. They might not necessarily have the courage to speak out against it, but I I, I, I know in my heart it, it is true that Canadians are, are not going to bow down to the mob and, and that they know that this is a good country and it's worth defending. So I, I think that there's a lot of like-minded people out there. And I think one of the things that True North has sort of tapped into very similar similarly to the rebel, is is that we, we have a sort of silent majority. We call it True North Nation. I, I know you have a huge audience uh, over there at the rebel and you've built something really incredible. But I, I think that there are more and more Canadians who, ha who have had enough of the institutions, that the, the media sort of lecturing them, telling them that their country is racist and that there are all these problems and that we constantly have to, to apologize and bend the knee. I, I, I think that, that there's a growing momentum. And the great thing about the the internet and and new media and and the platforms that we have the distribution that we can reach Canadians directly through social media is that we don't have to go through the old tired Laurentian elite controlled institutions like the CBC and the Globe and Mail anymore we can reach Canadians directly with our message we can we can encourage them and motivate them um, you know to speak out to share the stories to seek the truth and and really to tell our own stories not not wait for the the sort of again Laurentian Laurentian elites that, that sit in Toronto and Montreal to, to, to look down their noses and tell us what we believe and who we are as Canadians, but instead to tell our own stories. So that's that's sort of the driving idea behind True North. We've, we've been really successful. We're really excited and proud of what we've built so far. And I think that you know we have a lot of potential just because you, know, you mentioned that the U.S. has this really rich ecosystem of conservative media and journalism. I, I, I think that Canada is just as conservative as a, of a country as the United States. 
states. We just don't have that big, big media like Fox News that, that that's out there defending our ideas and our values. So it you know it takes little independent outlets like like us and you and there are several others and and you know together we can push back and and really fight to to, to take back our country to push the narrative that Canada is a great country. We're strong, proud, and free. And I, I you know I, I'm really excited to to do this interview today as we're just because it's Canada Day tomorrow and Dominion Day and I think it's a great time to celebrate Canada and to emphasize our strengths uh, rather than sort of wallow over our, our weaknesses. Well, Candace, I got to tell you, you've made me feel better already. You know, every day I do, uh, do a live uh, stream at 12 noon and we end with a puppy video that our uh, producer Justin chooses because I, I say it makes me between 8% and 22% happier to see a little puppy video <laughs> at the end of the live stream because we talk about heavy things. I'm just joking around, but you're right. We shouldn't always be mopey and gloomy because listen, Canada's tough. We've been through tough things before, the Great Depression, two world wars. Um, it was hardy stock that built this country, uh, that broke the soil uh, in the prairies, the Courier de Bois. I mean, this is a strong place. Maybe we just have to remember that again. And you've, you've made me feel better just saying that. Uh, what you said. Can you tell us, I, I mean, you're, you're, uh, we're talking on our paywalled show. So this is what we call Rebel News Plus. We put an excerpt of this outside on YouTube, but this is for our paying customers. So I like to speak heart to heart to these are our strongest supporters. And I believe that if you're paying eight bucks a month to Rebel News, and I thank you very much, that helps keep our lights on. I would invite you to consider supporting other like-minded folks in Canada. Candace Malcolm is here today for True North. I'm gonna reach out to Spencer Fernando, who we've had on recently, he's based in Winnipeg. There's other groups, there's the Western Standard Online uh, in Alberta, obviously. There's the National Telegraph. I haven't even spoken to them before. There's about five or six independent-minded groups and obviously we rely on your donations to us, so thank you. But I think just out of a spirit of hope and collegiality, we need more friends. So if you haven't yet joined up with True North, please consider doing it. Candace, tell, I, and I, we've had you on a dozen times, and we've had um, you know, other friends, uh, you know, Andrew Lawton's on all the time, he's an old buddy of mine. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to, and I'm not looking for you to give away any secret plans just yet, but if you can, I'm inviting our viewers to become your viewers. Many of them are. But what, what else you got cooking? Sure. Well, Ezra, first I appreciate you, uh, you know, extending the invitation to me to be, be on your show and to talk a little bit more about True North and what we're doing. I think very similarly to the Rebel. Well, first of all, True North started out as more of a think tank. The idea that that, that there was again sort of a silent majority of Canadians whose views weren't being reflected, specifically when it came to concerns about immigration and national security. My background before I became a journalist was working for the federal government in, in on immigration issues in the department. There and and I really just observed that you know there was a huge difference between what the policy was, who the activists were, and what they were pushing, and and what the views are were of everyday Canadians and what was best for the country. So so True North started off in that vein to sort of advocate and do policy research on immigration, and we kind of pivoted just because there was such a, a big demand out there uh, for research, uh, investigative reports, and independent journalism on those issues, and and then we sort of expanded 
since then. We've, we've grown our team uh, to include other conservative voices, like you mentioned, Andrew Lawton, who, who is a longtime radio host down there in London, Ontario, and he's very passionate about um, gun rights and firearms. He's also a pro-life activist. And, and, and then also Anthony Fury, who is based here in Toronto, and he writes for the Toronto Sun uh, with me, where I also write. And, and so we're sort of just trying to push more conservative opinion, uh, editorial positions that are conservative, and also doing research and reporting on the news, telling the other side of the story. So we publish you know, a handful, dozens of, of independent uh, news reports every day, written news reports. Then we also have a, a slew of podcasts that we do. I host a speaker series, so I have an, a really interesting guest, and we get in depth, we do a long interview, long form interview. Ezra, I know uh, I'm going to have you on the show. I've already extended the invitation. We got to line that up uh, to have you on as a guest in the speaker series because it's, it's it's my favorite thing that we're doing at True North right now, and I'm really excited about it. We we go in depth in an issue and kind of get beyond uh, just the day to day news cycle stuff and and talk about the really deep and important issues uh, in Canada. And I think I think that you know I I started off by being super optimistic uh, about Canada, but obviously there are issues and problems with the mainstream media. Media. Even the National Post, as I know you used to be an editorial board member over there, but they were supposed to be the conservative voice of Canada. And you watch how they've covered these anti-racism uh, protests. I don't even like calling them anti-racism protests because, you know, a lot of them have just devolved into sort of mob violence and and, and sort of anarchy. They're anarchist uh, protests. And, and you've seen the National Post defend that. The National Post uh, go out and make the case for defunding the police and all these kind of things. Uh, you know, there isn't really a conservative voice in the mainstream media, aside from the Toronto Sun, where I work and where I write, and I, lo I love that paper, but it's a small paper and it's owned by the big chain post media. They don't have the same kind of independence. So, you know, the purpose behind True North, again, is just to remind Canadians that there are conservative views out there. There's nothing wrong with being conservative. They're legitimate views. And even if the mainstream media is trying to delegitimize those and say it's somehow wrong and not okay to be conservative, you know, you, you see conservative writers and journalists getting canceled by the cancel culture mob all the time, whether it's Rex Murphy or more recently Paul Bunner, who's Jason Kenney's speechwriter over uh, out in Alberta. And, he, and he's getting, you know, criticized and, and mobbed online for, for an article, an essay that he wrote in 2013, Ezra, where he didn't say anything outside the norm of what conservatives generally think when it comes to uh, talking about truth and reconciliation with First Nations people. And, and there's a, a mob, uh, you know, attempt to have him fired from his job just for expressing a conservative opinion seven years ago. Uh, well, well, you can't really trust the mainstream media, certainly can't trust the National Post anymore to combat those ideas and, and to defend conservatism and say that these are okay and this is what we believe in. It's not a reliably conservative voice anymore, which is why it's so important important um, that outlets like True North and The Rebel uh, continue to, to, to have the, the airway and, and the ability to, uh, to push back against that mob. And so much like The Rebel, we're funded entirely by Canadians who support us, uh, people who donate you know, small dollar amounts to, to join our supporter clubs and, and to promote uh, our, our different uh, journalists and, and products. So, you know, if you're interested, go check it out. TNC.news is, is our website. And like I said, we've got daily news reports, podcasts, we do different shows, and, and we have the speaker series. So there's a lot of interesting stuff going on there, and we've got lots of content every day. That's great. I, I bet a lot of our people already are supporters, but uh, for those who haven't made the leap, I'd encourage them. Um, you know, you're talking about cancel culture. I, 
it's out there, but I think the CBC really is at the forefront of the mob. In recent days, I've seen them actually go after two different indigenous leaders who made the, the sin of being conservative. I interviewed one of them yesterday, Leighton Gray, the lawyer from Cold Lake, Alberta. Outstanding lawyer, Queen's Counsel, status Indian, but he dared to say all lives matter, which is an interesting thing for an Aboriginal man to say. He was nuked by the CBC. I think they hate him extra much. The same way in the US, black Republicans get extra hatred because they're regarded as race traitors by the Democrat leftist media. I think the CBC is on this crazy warpath right now. They're the actual, the worst cancel culture folks. Hey, can I ask you about one more thing? I remember when we, when we interviewed you a couple weeks ago, we were talking about an opinion poll that you commissioned on pausing immigration, including pausing temporary foreign workers, which, I mean, in the middle of a pandemic where the effective unemployment rate is 20%, I don't understand why anyone would believe in bringing in cheap foreign workers. I mean, I, it, it might save a few pennies for a, a big corporate farm or something, but it makes no sense from the Canadian point of view. Do you guys plan to do more polls like that? Because I found that extremely useful because I think the liberal government, every government polls like crazy on everything, but they keep the most sensitive polls private because they don't want the public to see that everyone else also thinks we should pause immigration. They don't want the public to see the answer to politically incorrect questions. So I think it was very, very valuable that you guys sponsored a poll asking a question that the mainstream media would not publish. Well, thank you for that, Ezra. And yes, yeah, so you know, part of True North, uh, part of what we do is we are a, a think tank, a nonprofit, uh, nonpartisan research organization, and, and a registered charity. And so we have the media sort of wing. We also have a research wing that we do, you know, public policy research, a bit of polling, and uh, other sort of educational oriented uh, material to, to, to try to, you know, engage with Canadians and, 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 and enlighten them or educate them more on public policy issues like immigration. And so I, I thought that that immigration poll, the, the results actually surprised me a little bit. I mean, it, it, it is pretty common sense, especially during a pandemic. This is a perfect opportunity to, to sort of, you know, keep ourselves closed, you know, slow down on the immigration pace, maybe take a pause and, and let the people who are here sort of settle before we open up to another wave and obviously protect us ourselves as well from the the threat of coronavirus and people bringing it in. Um, but I've, I've never seen, you know, such overwhelming support uh, for a pause. And it's interesting too, Ezra, because a lot of Canadians believe that the borders are closed because that's sort of the message that we hear from the government and the media. When you look at the actual statistics, um, the CBSA releases every single week uh, the most up-to-date numbers. There, there's still been over a million uh, people that have come into Canada since the border officially closed. Less than half of those are citizens. So, you know, we're we still are getting hundreds of thousands of people coming in that are either, you know, temporary foreign workers, students, uh, foreign students here on visas, or new immigrants. And so I, th I think that there's a bit of a disconnect between what the government is doing and what Canadians realize, or again, you know, it comes to problems with the reporting of the mainstream media. And you're right about polling too, is that the government does a lot of internal polling 
on immigration and they don't always release that. You kind of have to dig and find it and, you know, they're going to hide it because Canadians overwhelmingly don't want the kinds of immigration numbers that we have and that we've seen in recent years. And government would prefer to just ignore that information. So, uh, yeah, you know, to answer your question, yes, I think True North will continue to do these kind of polls to, to you know, again, just make it known to Canadians um, that, that they're not alone. The overwhelming majority of Canadians want fewer immigrants coming to Canada every year. Well, you know, you, we used to do more polls way back in the day. If you ever want to go halfers on a poll, because I know polls can cost thousands of dollars, I bet our viewers would love to crowdfund that with you. I'm not looking to add, hone in on your turf or anything, but uh, boy, I sure enjoyed our conversation about that last one. It was very, very useful. And you know, the thing about a statistically valid, independently administered poll is it's, it's, not, it's not an opinion, it's a factual sample you know, within certain statistical variances. So it, it carries a weight and authoritativeness to it um, that I think really people, I mean, polls can have their flaws and it's about how the question is written, but I think they're very useful. So, I agree, uh, and I I think that would be great. It'd be fun to to go in together because you're right. They they are they are costly because you, you know you have to conduct it scientifically, like you said, and and it takes uh, time and resources. So they usually do cost a couple hundred or a couple thousand dollars, depending on how many questions you ask and the sample size and stuff like that. But I I would love to do a True North Rebel uh, survey. I think it'd be fun. Boy, that would make all the right people very very mad, <laughs> and all the right people very very happy. Well, listen, Candice, it's great to catch up with you. Uh, TNC.news is the website. I mean, look, I'm pretending like this is the first introduction of you to our people. You've been on a Rebel cruise. Uh, you're on all the time. We read you in the Toronto Sun. And I've said to you privately and publicly, stay with the Sun as long as you possibly can, because it's so important that those mainstream readers have your point of view. I think, I regret, and I don't say this in any negative way, I think the day will come one day when they regard you as too politically incorrect and they say goodbye and I, and I don't wish that i hope that never happens but if i'm being realistic i think one day they will say goodbye to you and god forbid and anthony fury and joe warmington and sue ann levy the true conservatives say i'm sorry to say these maybe i should maybe i'm speaking uh out of turn but i think that that's the trend right now and so i'm so glad you're building a new entity that you can step right onto and, and keep going full tilt. I hope you don't mind me saying that. I hope you stay there as long as possible, but I'm always afraid. Well, I'll, I'll just say that I think that the, the, the direction of media is changing. So it might be the case, Ezra, that someday down the road, uh, they don't want to hear from conservatives at all. But I also think that someday, you know, maybe around the same time that happens or maybe later, maybe earlier, you, newspapers won't really be a profitable uh, endeavor anymore and they will have to change. And so if, if the direction they want to go is to, you know, clear house of, of interesting uh, writers and, and people who propose different views, uh, then, then I think that's part of what's, you know, leading to the demise of, of the industry, the, the the traditional media industry. Ho hopefully, uh, you know, I think that the uh, little scrappy paper like the Toronto Sun that has the sort of hatred of all the other mainstream media outlets, um, you know, they're willing to stand their ground and defend writers like me, you know, e even if I'm saying something that's not 
what what the fancy people in Toronto believe or, or what they want to hear. So I, I've been incredibly grateful to the Toronto Sun for, for you know, defending me and, and giving me a platform and allowing me to reach so many Canadians. Uh, but I do think that the media landscape is changing. And eventually, I don't know if it's 5, 10, 15 years down the road, I, I can't imagine um, that the landscape being so dominated by these big players uh, that are dominated by these political elites in, in Toronto and Montreal. I, th I think it'll change, become much more diverse much more interesting and that there'll be more voices and not fewer. Wow, again, you're optimistic. I sure hope that comes true. I note in passing that Conrad Black mentioned in his column the other day that he used to be a regular guest on the radio, but he has been blackballed because he hasn't taken the right point of view uh, because he th says Canada is not systemically racist. And the most shocking thing about Conrad Black's comment is that he says Charles Adler, who himself used to be a conservative commentator, and has now gone full Trudeau liberal, that Adler was one of the guys behind the ban. And I find that so very depressing. But let's not on, end on a depressing note, let's end on a happy note. Candace, let me wish you a happy Dominion Day, and I wish you and True North all the success in the world. I know our viewers feel the same way, and may all our viewers become your viewers, and may we strengthen each other, and may the next year be the most successful yet so good luck and you've given me a spring in my step Candace I want to be positive and you've given me some some grounds to to do so so thanks to you my friend well thank you Ezra happy Dominion Day to you and, and to your family and, and to your audience I think again it's a really important day to ignore the hatred ignore you know the trigger warnings placed on the Canadian flag and the people trying to tear down uh, statues of Sir John A Macdonald today's a day where we should really celebrate our country be proud be patriotic and 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 you know we, we can we can sort out our problems we can sort out our, our issues on another day but on Canada Day or Dominion Day as I like to call it we should we should be positive and, and celebrate so Thank you so much for having me in, and have a great holiday. Right on. You too. Thank you, my friend. Well, there you have it. Candace Malcolm, the founder of TNC.News. Stay with us. More ahead. Well, look, it's Canada Day, Dominion Day. Um, as the anti-Canadians say, it's July 1st. Um, and as the Halifax Chronicle Herald says, uh, well, they won't even tell you what day it is until they give you a trigger warning. That irks me so much. Um, listen, Candace Malcolm is right. There are a lot of great reasons to be proud and hopeful for Canada. I mean, really, would you, would, can you name another place in the world you would rather be? But I think we have to work hard to preserve what we have and take back what we've lost. Uh, I'm afraid of the acceleration of the bad trends. The pandemic has given Justin Trudeau an excuse to do things he could never have gotten away with before, from censoring journalists to taking powers away from Parliament to spending like a madman to censorship. I mentioned censorship already. I'm worried about that. And I also see who's not fighting. Where are the conservative politicians of the country? I feel like it's a lonely fight. But you know what? In the last few months, as we've taken up this fight in a number of ways, we've relied on the strength of you, our viewers, and ordinary Canadians, and that gives me some hope too. So, happy Dominion Day. On behalf of all of us here at Rebel World, Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home. Good night. Keep fighting for freedom.